So this is, I think it's been about five weeks we've been talking about worship. And um, I opened about four weeks ago with worship part one. And then um, we had the, the conference. And then Heather spoke last week. She did an amazing job about worship as a lifestyle. And I'm going to finish today. And, and this is going to be worship part two um, for lack of a creative name. Um, I want to hit a little bit about review. I want a little bit of review of what we what I talked about in part one, and then I want to get some new stuff about our worship vision here, and then I want to invite up a couple special guests, and we're going to do some interviews with them. So it's going to be a little interactive as well. So it's going to be an interesting morning. Um, so I want to look talk first about review last time I shared, and I opened with a quote. I said, "Worship is our ultimate calling." Worship is our ultimate calling. John Piper, his famous quote, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So talked about like, why do we do missions? Why do we pray for people to get healed and saved? Why towards the end goal of worship so that they would worship. So worship is not a means to an end. It's not the warm-up before the sermon. Worship is the end goal, that all would worship. And so if you think about our, our calling, our assignment to bring heaven to earth, what's the number one thing that's happening in heaven right now? It is worship. And so we wanna bring as much of that as possible down here to the earth that we would worship our king together. Worship is first ministry to the Lord. From uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So ministry to God is first, ministry to others, second. We try to do it in the wrong order, it's a disaster. I've tried it. Disaster. We have to minister to the Lord first. And so that's what we do here. We connect with the Lord first and then we get filled up and we're ready to, worship, to minister to other people. Second, Chronicle, Second Chronicles 29, 11. God has chosen you to take your place before him to serve in conducting and leading worship. This is your life work. This is your life work to conduct and lead worship. Make sure you do it and do it well. So just like the priests in the Old Testament, we are called to minister to the Lord 24-7. You see, I'm going way beyond just singing a couple songs. This is actually our life work, and we become the sacrifice in the worship. And so to conduct and lead people in worship, that doesn't mean we're all called to jump up here on the stage and play the guitar and sing in a microphone. We are all called to worship. We are all called to lead other people to worship. How do we do that? Through our lives, through our lifestyle. People look at our lives, they turn and then they worship. So we're all worship leaders, whether we're on a stage, whether we're behind a desk, whether we're on mission, we're all worship leaders. Worship is giving value to something. It's declaring its worth from your perspective. Worship is declaring its worth from your perspective. So we are personally declaring what God is worth to us. 
Who is God? How important is he to us? How valuable is the Lord in our lives? And I talked about a, a couch that I bought on Craigslist for a best offer, and it got me thinking about our best offer. In worship, are we just going through the motions and bringing a lowball offer? And, or are we willing to be overly extravagant in our best offer to the Lord? And I think I can present pretty good evidence that the only reasonable offering, the only reasonable offer, sacrifice, is everything. When you think about all that he's done for us, the only reasonable offer is to give him our lives completely whole. Um, we had just finished the Super Bowl when I talked last, and we had a little party at our house, and you know everyone dressed up, and it was the only football game we watched all year. And we acted like we were like super fans and everything. Um, but it got me thinking, are you a fair weather worshiper or a diehard fan? And the funny thing is you really can't tell. We couldn't really tell the difference on the outside because we had all the outfits and the, the excitement going on. First Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. On the outward, we can fake worship pretty easily Right? We can, I mean, we can sit down, we can lift up our hands, we can close our eyes, we can sway back and forth and move our hips a little bit, we can dance and jump around like crazy. I'm like, but you really can't tell if someone is worshiping. It's all a heart-to-heart connection between you and the Lord. That's what's important because that's what God looks at the heart. We talked about three kinds of worship. Psalm 104, I will enter his gates I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. And the gates here are referring to the pearly gates in heaven. How are pearls formed? Irritation, trials, tribulation. So we're actually called to come to God in the midst of the messiness of all of life, the trials, the tribulations, even when we don't feel like it, and bring our thankful offering to the Lord. And it's this incredible opportunity that we have this side of heaven when we can't see him and when we've got all the yuck going on to bring this thankful heart of praise. Let's not miss that opportunity. We get to the gate and then we have to open it. Some gates are harder to open than others. It is a work to come in to worship. It's a battle. The battle of the mind is when we choose a higher reality above what we see in the temporal realm. We choose to believe by faith that he is who he says he is. His promises are real. His promises are true. Even when we don't see it living out in right this moment. Instead of fighting for victory, we start fighting from the victory that's already been won on our behalf. As Heather said last week, there's a constant battle for our devotion and attention. Worship gives us victory. When we worship, all the authority of heaven backs us up. And I used to think I was hypocritical when I came to worship and I I didn't feel like it, but I did it anyway. But now I think it's just the opposite because we're actually called believers. We're called to live by faith. So we're actually called to worship him, to fake it until we make it, to worship him when we don't feel like it. That's living by faith. That's true worship. We're called to worship when we're sick, to be thankful in the midst of a tragedy and loss, 
to enter these pearly gates through with the trials and the sufferings with a thankful heart. As Heather said last week, worship gives us strength in whom we live, move, and have our being. It's worth it to worship when we don't feel like it. We can control the size of our worship and we can be intentional with having worship in our life. We're called to worship in spirit and truth, letting the spirit lead and worshiping the truth of who he is. And we're called to be real, to be authentic. Like King David, he worshiped in the cave. He worshiped on the throne. Read through some of the Psalms. He laid his heart bare before the Lord, broken, honest through, I mean, he's, probably, he's done worse than most of us, but he's worshiped the Lord. We're called to be honest in our worship. One is thanksgiving, two is praise. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. This is when we've entered the gates and now we just gaze at him and we declare the wonder, the beauty of who he is. And that's why we'll sing the same line over and over and over. It's not really for him, because, um, I mean, he's not hard of hearing. He heard it the first time. It's for us. It's for us. Because there's never been a generation before that's been hit by so many messages, so many lies, so many choices, so many things pulling. We need to fight this battle of the mind by renewing our mind with truth. So worship is just as much for him as it is for us. So when we sing, you're a good, good father, over and over and over again, it becomes in our heart, it comes back around like a boomerang. We declare that you're a good, good father, boom, and it hits us. And it's like, whoa, you're my good, good father. And then all of a sudden, we're resting in the promise of who he is and who we are, is I'm a son and I'm a daughter and I'm loved by my father. So it turns around and it changes who we are. Heather said last week, worship reminds you who God is and who you are. From my feelings, from my feelings to his glory. We should be the most confident people on the planet. Ooh, <laughs> that hit me. We should be the most confident people on the planet. If we really believe what, we're, what we sang this morning, if we really believe that and live it out, it would change everything. It would change our city in an instant. 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we see him, we become like him. In these courts of praise, we become like what we worship. We trust who we worship. The courts of praise change us into better people because we're changed to be more like him. Worship in the courts quickly becomes a face-to-face -face conversation with the Lord where we're saying, Lord, what's on your heart? What are you saying? What are you doing? What do you have for me right here, present in this moment? It's all about Jesus. Worship in the Old Testament means to bow low, to exalt, to honor. Bow low, exalt, honor. So at the end of the day, it's not about our comfort. It's not about the, the music or the lights or the decor. It's about him because worship is for him. So one was entering the gates with thanksgiving and the, two was the courts of praise and three is the sacrifice. Something shifts right here where instead of bringing the sacrifice, we become the sacrifice. Instead of bringing the sacrifice, we become the sacrifice. The altar in 2 Kings 18, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. Who's that? That's us. And the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. 
Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So we become the sacrifice. We become the stubborn bull in that story on the altar. And what falls on the sacrifice? Fire. Holy Spirit, fire. That's the power of God consuming us to go into our city and then the city of Wilmington declares the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Our city needs our worship because worship will overflow in every part of our lives. So we don't just come into this room and put on our worship hat. Wouldn't that be funny if we had a basket and you got, picked up your worship hat and your spiritual hat and you came in and you, put, and you play the little game and then when you left, we have the basket there and you drop your worship hat and then you leave and you go home and do your life. That's not the way Christianity works. That's not what Christ taught. It's everything. So everything has the potential to be spirit-led worship. So we actually keep our worship hat on, our spirit-led worship hat on when we walk out of the room, when we go home or we go to a restaurant and we go home to our families and we even keep it on while we sleep and we wake up on Monday and we go to work somewhere or we're raising our kids we have that worship hat on. It's all worship. Everything has the potential to be spirit-led worship. Worship means aboda, which means to work or to serve. So it's way more than singing. I think we've got that down. It's a lifestyle. It involves work. It involves sacrifice. It involves service. It involves getting a little sweaty. It's like the Night to Shine event that we did. Bringing our love on. That was all worship. Pouring it out to our city. Every Thursday at Food Pantry, those of you who are here for that, that is worship. I love watching everyone in the room worship the Lord. So worship is our job during the week. The house that we clean, the kids that we raise, that's just as much worship as standing here singing together. So that was a quick review of part one. If you want to, if I, if I was really confusing and too fast, you can go on the podcast and listen to that again. I want to, quickly go into part two, which is some of the worship vision of worship arts ministry here at Global River. And I think this will help explain kind of who we are and why we do what we do. Um, since taking over this position, I've really had a chance to really pray into this a lot and really ask the Lord. And because I really like to have purpose behind what I do, not just do it because it's always been done that way. I wanna know why, I don't know about you, but don't you wanna know just like why you do what you do? So worship arts vision here. First thing, presence-centered family. And I think that really applies to our whole church body, but particularly to worship arts ministry. As a worship team, this means we actually hang out together, we like each other, we, once a month, we prioritize a gathering where we gather together and worship together, keeping the presence foremost in our community, and we hang out, and we, like, enjoy each other. And so what that does is it closes the door to jealousy, it closes the door to competition, and it opens the door to personal growth, it opens the door to love and to honor. Present-centered family. The second thing is excellence. We pursue excellence. Okay, now this is not about performance to bring us glory. This is about excellence to bring him glory. 
So it doesn't mean we're perfect. Um, as a worship team, we're volunteers. We're not professional musicians. Um, but skill is very important, but more important is the heart, the heart to worship the Lord. And so the, the people you saw up on stage this morning, they're all volunteers. They spent probably two to three hours during the week with the Lord in the secret place, worshiping, getting filled up before they put an hour on the platform. They spent time on third, normally on Thursday night, they'll practice for two hours. And then on Sunday morning, they'll practice for another hour for getting up here for an hour for our worship set. I don't know if you guys realize some of the behind the scenes stuff that, that happens. And I just want to honor anyone that comes and part of worship, the commitment that they make to practice and to bring their best to the Lord, not only on the stage, but in the secret place at home. So that when they step up here, it's an overflow of what's happening in their lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so one was family, two is excellence, three is presence. Prioritizing ministry to the Lord because in the end, as I said, it's about him, it's not about us. And so that's why we go vertical for 35 minutes of worship. And I say vertical, I mean we're presence-centered, worship uninterrupted for, and Sunday morning we schedule that to where we spend at least 35 minutes just in vertical worship. And we feel like after we love the Lord your God first, then we're ready to love each other. We're ready to go horizontal. And so, um, but we prioritize ministry to the Lord first. And we believe when we do that, we're gonna see supernatural encounters that affect and change people's lives, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Presence. The next thing is flow. Spontaneous expression. So when you, if you hear a song on the radio that's been, that's, that's a good song that they've done really well, that band has probably practiced that song a hundred times together. I mean, they have polished it and gotten everything just right. And so that is bringing their excellence to the Lord. And so in here, we actually have, we ask the Lord, what is the song set you have for today? And so we press into those songs and we work on those songs together as a team. Sometimes it goes better than other times, but that's what we're, we focus, we play them over and over, a simple arrangement of that song, but then we also leave room for what I call flow or spontaneity. And so that's when we're, we're, we've gelled together as a team and, a, and a kind of going in a chord progression, and you'll hear the band and they'll stop singing. And it's not because they ran out of words, it's because they're listening to the Lord and what he's speaking in that moment for us. And so that's your opportunity to not just stand there and kind of look at them awkwardly like, uh-oh, they forgot the words. That's not usually, sometimes that happens, but usually not the case. <laughs> usually they are listening to the Lord and saying, God, what do, you want to, what do you want me to play in my instrument? What do you want to sing? And that's an incredible opportunity to what we do, what we call sing a new song before the Lord. There's an interesting thing about a new song is it is new. No, that's a huge revelation. A new song is new, meaning it has never been sung before. And so a new song does not have to rhyme, does not have to sound perfect. It's new. It's, spontane it's a spontaneous expression, a response to the Lord and what he's doing in that moment. 
And so I want to invite you guys in those, men, in those times when there's just a musical interlude or there's no words, sing a new song. Sometimes the worship leader even asks that of you. Sing a new song to the Lord. And what they're saying is, hey, I want you to sing out to the Lord what's on your heart right now. If you need to spread out so you're not right next to somebody, sing it if you're not confident about your voice. If you are, belt it out, okay? Sing that new song to the Lord that's coming from your heart because everyone in here is going at a different place with the Lord in your relationship. You're going through different things. I don't know what all the things are that's going on, but the Lord knows. And you have this great opportunity to interact with him in his presence and to connect with him. We wanna make room for that opportunity for you. And so you'll also hear during that song, the worship team is doing the same thing. So they'll throw out different words that they're singing to the Lord. Sometimes we try to write the, capture them on the lyrics so that you can sing along, but it's really hard sometimes because then they'll move on to the next thing too fast. And Gregory's, wherever he, he's the best at that, getting really quick, getting it up there for everybody. So we try to do that, but sometimes it's just like their honest expression to the Lord. And sometimes it's a different chorus you may have heard before, and that will come to their mind, a, an older worship chorus or something, and they'll start singing that. And it's just this beautiful conversation that's happening in ministry to the Lord in that moment. Our number one goal, to lead people to focus on the Lord for as long as possible. So it's more about you learning how to worship than us leading you in worship. We want you to learn how to worship the Lord here, but learn how to worship the Lord at home and develop worship as a lifestyle. So we wanna minimize anything that's gonna hinder that encounter with the Lord, anything that will distract you from focusing on the presence. And so we typically will bring in a consistent sound on Sunday morning, a consistent song, group of songs, so that it's more easily for you to enter in because, oh, I've heard that song before. I know you, you hear it the first time and it's a little harder to enter in. You're at the second and the third and you're like, ah. And the goal is not that you would learn a new song. The goal is that you would encounter the Lord. And it's a lot easier when you can close your eyes because you know the song in your heart. And then those words, they minister to him and then they start to minister to you. And the boomerang comes around and changes you. Multi-generational, multiple expressions, multiple levels. So on Sunday mornings, we direct our style towards the next generation church. We're very specific about that. Um, but we have other worship venues besides just Sunday morning that are just as important, just as important. So example, special worship nights. We had one last Sunday night, um, Voyage Worship Night in here. And that was a really cool evening because we got the chance to really introduce some new songs that were in Michael Escobar's heart. Or if he's in here, and he just got, just got a chance to work with the team and bring those out to the Lord. It was just a really beautiful night of worship. Um, we'll do those from time to time with different themes. Sometimes they're a little more United Pursuit-ish, kind of like, if you're familiar with that, like a little more like in a living room family kind of feel. Sometimes they're a little bit loud and big band kind of feel. That's our worship nights. There's an opportunity to do some different things, experiment with some different things in worship that we normally don't do on Sunday morning. We have the burn Burn Wilmington, um, Zachariah heads that up, and he, he's and Josh does too, coordinating with different churches to come in here. So we get to hear some different expressions from different churches in our city, 
and there's a mixture of bands and sometimes just one or two people up here pouring their heart out to the Lord. So that's a unique venue that's different. There's worship outreach, the Agape tribe, which is um, Sarah Morgan's group and um, Sarah Halder's group, and what they do, incredible. What they did at um, Night to Shine, learning some of the, the secular songs to bring into an outreach moment and connect with people and then lead them into the presence, going after excellence. They put hours and hours practicing and bring in excellent sound, incredible, to go out and do, they've done played at coffee shops and different places around the city. I love worship outreach. Um, and then also downtown, UNCW. I know um, you guys go to UNCW and play. Intercession worship. On Wednesday mornings, we've started that um, in prayer from 10 to 11.30 in the prayer room. We're now starting to do some, we do CD worship and we're also doing some live worship as well. Different venue, different expression of worship here. I started to list these out and I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many. There's, you've got conference worship, which is just a different feel. You've got small group worship happening. You've got Wednesday night worship. If you come on Wednesday nights, we usually try to um, throw in a song or two at the beginning. That's just a whole different feel. It really wouldn't work to put a whole big band up here at that point, but to have one person in their heart going after the Lord, incredible. Youth worship. The youth worship team, Michael Escobar leads that. Every other week they practice and continue. That's like our next level, raising up worshipers for in here. So important. Men's group worship on Monday night. John leads the team over there and they're like a whole new group of people going after the Lord in worship. Different venues, expressions. And then there's each one of our lives of personal worship. So that's what we do in our bedroom at home with the CD, with the music on our phone, with the guitar, whatever it would be, bringing our worship to the Lord. Each venue offers unique style and expression and purpose. On top of that, there's also worship dance ministry. Got to see some major fruit from that at the conference. We get to see that from time to time on Sunday mornings. There's also the creative arts, painting, drawing, photography, videography, all these different ways. I think we're only scratching the surface of what we can bring in the creative arts and worship to the Lord. So that was a big one because I get excited about that. Worship closing. Why we do what we do. Um, There's an important, a special moment that happens. It's a unique moment because we have the most people focused on the presence for a particular point in time. And it's right after this this singing time, 35 minutes of worship. And if you'll notice this morning, Heather was designated, Pastor Heather was designated the worship closer. And so what she was doing, she was in worship herself and she was asking the Lord, what are you doing in the room? Brian Moore was doing some art and he had a picture. He shared that with me, who I shared that with her. She's asking the Lord what, she actually was asking the Lord yesterday and the day before. What are you doing? And then also in the, in the morning, what are you doing in worship? We wanna maximize this moment in the presence because we feel like the presence is thick. The atmosphere is pregnant for amazing things to happen, supernatural things to happen, healing, deliverance, salvation. And we wanna hear the Lord. And at that point, we're leading people into in different encounters with the Lord. Sometimes we're going horizontal, inviting the ministry team up, but sometimes we're ministering to one another. And that's a pretty regular part of our routine. And we do that on purpose because we want to maximize that moment. And finally, worship is for our city. 
Our city needs the light. In order to be the light, we have to be filled up with the light. We have to go vertical before we go horizontal. We have to be a people of the presence. In worship, we open the gates and we create this place of access. It's like we're clearing the highway in our city for people to experience the love of God. It, worship does something in us, but I believe it, it does something in our church family and then it also does something for our city. If you wanna turn to Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60, verse one. Isaiah 60, verse one. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. A really powerful verse. And I, I'll be honest, I don't really understand this completely, but I know that worship prepares the way for the Lord to come and bring revival in our city. Worship prepares the way for the Lord to come and bring revival in our city. It's like the king of glory enters in. And now people see things differently. Spiritual airwaves have been cleared up because light and dark cannot fill the same space. And the glory of the Lord rises above us and covers our city. And people are drawn into the kingdom. Worship brings revival to our city. So those are some of the key values of worship arts ministry, who we are, why we do what we do. I wanna transition to the last piece this morning. I wanna do a special interview with um, two of my special friends, spiritual sons, natural son, and um, who serve here countless hours in this vision. And I think they're both incredibly amazing. And I want you guys to see that too, how amazing they are. So... Jacob and Zach, if you guys want to, maybe you can, I'll move this down. You guys can prepare the platform with chairs or sofa. And so I'm going to brag on them while they're doing this and make, embarrass them maybe. So Zachariah is my oldest son. And um, yeah, so um, he's been worsh- leading worship here at Global River for seven, eight years He's led worship in the kids' band. We graduated to the youth worship team, graduated to voyage worship team, which he led on Sunday nights for two years, every Sunday night, was in the other building, building worship, building voyage, incredible. Um, He's also pretty much a part of the adult worship team every week. Um, He has a lot of different skills. Let's see, he plays drums, electric, acoustic, um, ukulele, Hammer dulcimer, which I keep trying to, if you see him, beg him to bring that. Um, Yeah, we need more hammer dulcimer. And the keys, of course. And um, let's see, he started Burn Wilmington chapter, and um, where we've been, it's been how much, two years now? Gathering, um, gathering people from around the city here in worship. Led worship at various conferences, different venues, and he is now our creative content director here in charge of social media and the monthly regular announcement stuff. And then uh, let's give a hand for Zachariah. He's incredible. 
And then I want to brag on Jacob too. Jacob is a um, spiritual son friend. And also I've received a ton from both of these guys too. And um, so, oh, you can clap for him. That's good. So Jacob, Jacob joined us at the burn um, that's a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. He came into the burn just leading worship in the middle of the night, and I just started to see his heart and kind of connected in our community. And he's got like multiple, multiple giftings. I wrote him down here so I would remember. Web design, project management, church design, creative arts, sound and video production. He served out at Bethel Redding for nine months in an internship. Really gained a lot of wisdom to bring here, and he's really helped bring our worship to the next level. So he's our production manager here. And um, he organizes the Sunday worship teams, the sets, song sets. Um, and also, he's been a big part of the sanctuary renovation, the lobby renovation, the digital child check-in, and all these other behind-the-scenes kind of administrative systems that we're kind of bringing in to bring more excellence to what we do. So I think that's enough embarrassing. Do we want to, let's clap for Jacob now that you know all that. <laughs> So I want to start, guys, and um, we haven't done this on a Sunday morning in a good while, maybe ever, but I want to do kind of like an interview kind of thing with you guys, and um, I Is thought- Is this going to be like a roast? Like, are you going to roast us halfway? I do have jokes, and they're written down here- Normally. About embarrassing I'm moments messing. for you guys, but we'll see how you answer and if I'm going to go there or not. Um, this guy knows a lot of dirt on both of us, especially, I mean- since you're his son, so. Yes. Lots of dirt. <laughs> so I want to start out with something really light. Um, what is your favorite worship song right now? Favorite worship song. All right, so uh, Josh Baldwin just wrote this song, and it's not recorded or anything. It's just, he led it at Bethel one time, and it, the bridge goes, Christ before me, Christ behind me, I am surely held. And uh, that, that bridge just hits me every time. I'm like, Christ, he carries me on. Like, I know he's right before me, even though I have no idea what's next. He's like, he's right there, and he's right behind me. I am firmly held. And so that, that's my favorite song right now. And uh, every time I hear that, it's, it just means so much. Just one song. Okay. Um, can we do favorite album? Because, no, okay. We'll no, pick one song. song. Um, Narrow it down. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of the new Brian and Jen album. It's called, uh, what's it called? Oh, gosh. After all these years, thank you. Gosh, favorite album, and I can't even. There is one song on the album that Jen wrote called For the One, um, and the, the chorus goes, help me to love with open arms like you do. I love that erases all the lines and sees the truth so that when they look in my eyes, they will see you. Um, even in just a smile, they will feel the Father's love. And so right now, that song is like wrecking me every day. Like every time I get in the car, it is the only song that plays. Um, so... I recommend when the Josh Baldwin song gets out, you guys buy it, and you guys buy the, the that Brian and Jen album because it's definitely worth it. Yeah, good, good. What does worship look like to you? It's kind of a general question, but what does worship look like to you? Yeah, um, for me, worship on a day-to-day -day basis really looks like creating with the Lord. Um, I think back to Solomon, and he was given 
um, direction and plans from his father and resources from his father to build the temple. Um, and it was Solomon's greatest desire to worship his heavenly father. And he did that through building and creating and through carrying out those plans. Um, so I see that in everything we do here. Um, in just carrying out the vision that the Lord has for this house, that Pastor Tom has for this house, um, and getting to build and create and support that with the gifts we've been given, with the resources that we get to steward. Um, so that's kind of what I see worship as. I like that. And for me, it's just slowing down and taking that time to just focus on him, um, whether that's throughout the day or in the morning or um, up there on stage. Just like I'm just taking the time to just, here I am, Jesus. I'm pouring myself out to you. Um, and that, that's what worship means to me. So what do you do to make worship a daily lifestyle? You kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah. So for me, when I first get up, I, uh, you know, I hit the snooze button and go back to bed and then hit the snooze button again and then get up and then I turn it off and then forget about it and get up. And after all that, <laughs> I turn on a worship song and uh, that's how I start every day. Um, and I'll go take a shower and, but that worship song, I'll let it just play throughout the morning. Um, and that's how I set the lifestyle is like that truth in the morning, like uh, worship for me, it's just spoken truth. It's sung truth. And, uh, so, so those words define how I live throughout the day. So if I hit up, uh, like an issue in the day, I can look back like, oh, I heard these words this morning. I can sing that over my problems over and even if it's like a great day I'm like oh I can sing that over what's going on so for me worship is a, through ah uh, how you do a lifestyle of worship is uh, just playing that music and letting that just soak throughout your life I think all of us can agree that we have worship music playing almost 24 7 in our lives um, worship as a lifestyle really is like a soundtrack almost. If, if you were scoring a movie, when you go into a movie and you have the music of the movie either is going to support the movie or it's going to detract from the movie. So the music that you surround yourself with in life is going to do that. So if you're listening to things that are feeding you garbage, then it's going to do that. So worship as a lifestyle, I think for, for me, is really supporting what the Lord has me doing in that day with with something that's going to nourish and draw out the fruits of the Spirit in my life. So really, it's with that listening to worship music on a regular basis. It's when I'm in the shower, I have his name on my lips. I have worship on my lips. I, I'm always directing my attention and focus to him. Um, and, and it doesn't just come out through music. It comes out through designing and through managing teams and through administration. I mean, every button you click, you have to recognize that you're actually sowing into God's kingdom. So, I mean, from everything that we do, every decision we make, that's, that's worship as a lifestyle. It's knowing who it's for and giving it to him. That's really good. Yeah, for, for us, we've stumbled on this new thing. We do, I bet we watch i bethel tv on our computer pretty much nonstop in our house and then we found out that you can do uh, i think one of you guys showed me on youtube you can like there's a lot of bad stuff on youtube but there's also a lot of good stuff and you can create an account and put in your library different worship playlists it's real simple and then you just put it on your smart tv click on youtube you log into your account and just play that playlist, play playlist all day long. You've got worship going on in the background. Or if you've got iBethel TV or some other kind of worship thing on your computer as well. Um, 
people walk into our house and they, they just say, I feel the God, God's presence here. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I, sometimes I wonder what that is. And I, I think as we worship a lot and as a family, we have worship in the background a lot. And then what happens is it, it kind of just, like Jacob and Zach were both saying, it kind of just comes out of like our kids are playing out back or they're riding bikes and I just hear them singing, I'm chasing you. You know, that song, they start, they just start singing different worship songs. It's just in them. And that's what I think is, the, is what happens is worship just gets in us. And then it comes out of us in the craziest times. And particularly when we're like, I, I picture myself walking out back alone and just really struggling with these ne- a negative thought pattern and then just shifting that into worship. And shifting that into this, like, God, I need a song. And then the song comes to my mind. I start to speak it out. And then that situation changes. Um, Worship is a lifestyle. Um, Why, I was thinking about, like, why church? Why, what's the importance of doing worship here together as a body? Because we could all just, you know, put on Bethel TV or our, our YouTube playlist and and worship at home with our favorite CD. What, what's impo- what do you think is important about coming here together and worshiping as a church family? Do you want to take that for a second? Okay. Um, well, church community, number one, is fun. So if there's anything better than coming together and worshiping with your friends and with your family, then I, I really don't know what it is. There's nothing else that comes to mind for me. Um, but the healthy part of that, what makes it healthy in church community is in, in the history of getting to be a part of church worship since a young age, since I was six or seven, I've been a part of church worship, um, whether it be behind the soundboard or on stage. Um, the main thing was it always was a unifying factor. It was something that we could rally together. It's like... Um, Biblically, before they'd go into battle, they would send the worshipers because they carried the victory. They carried that song of victory. And so on Sunday morning in in church community, as a church family, it's so important for us to carry that song of victory together because it's something that strips away to the very core of what we were designed to do, which is worship. It's to seek God face to face and it puts all of us on the same playing field. It kind of levels everything. It, it makes it to where we're no different, whether we're behind the board, on stage, we are all on the same page because our only desire is to seek the Father. So in, in creating that healthy church community, worship opens, opens the gates to just experiencing God together. I mean, I think that's the main thing. The point is doing it in family. Yeah, and just what you're saying, just the the joy it brings just to worship together. And uh, I was thinking, trying to come up with like a really mind-blowing analogy or something to like blow your guys' minds. So this is what I came up with. It's like eating by yourself or eating with the family. You know, it's like eating by yourself. It's like, it's all right. But when you eat with the family, you get to see all the different dynamics and see uh, just I don't know, there's just so much fun when you're eating together um, and the conversations that come out of that. So I feel like when we worship by ourselves, that's amazing and it's important, but when we worship together, it's just like so much fun. There's so much joy and so many dynamics. And uh, anyways, that's, that's why I think it's so important to worship as a family. Both very good insights. I'm really glad I asked you guys up here to hear your perspectives on it. So what, 
what do you see worship looking like here in like a year's time and then five years time? What are some of your goals? What's some of the vision? How do you how do you see it shifting here? Um, the word that comes to mind is electric. Um, I think every time we we step into what God has for us, there's almost like an electrifying effect. So we're connecting ourselves to an outlet. Um, and I feel like a year from now, um, as a church body, we will continue to be upping that amperage. And the amount that we can handle as a body, as a community, is just going to up. His glory and his presence is going to increase, and we're going to be able to hold and experience and just connect with even more and more and more. So I just see it as him turning up that, I don't even know what it is, I'm not an electrician, voltage, there we go. Mm. Uh, it's, he's going to turn up the voltage and we're going to be able to handle it mm. um, because we've consistently just steeped ourselves. I'm just seeing like a cup of tea. We've just steeped ourselves and it's, we've gotten more, more potent, more sweet. We've, we've gotten the aroma of his presence. All right, well, um, what, as we close out today, what, um, what, other, what else is on your guys' heart? Like any other encouraging words you want to leave us with or things on your heart as you prayed about you want to share? I just encourage you, like, um, play some worship, like while you're taking a bike ride or before you go to bed, um, and let that truth just define how you live, um, whether you're having issues or you're celebrating, let like God's truth, let that worship define those situations. So I would encourage you guys just to kind of throw a worship song throughout your day and watch how that affects how you deal with problems, how, how you communicate with people, um, and how you treat yourself. So I would encourage you to do that. Yeah, um, I, I think that's, that's the main thing. It's the focus on, on him. It's creating that atmosphere in your life, um, allowing there to be places where you can connect outside of your situations and outside of your problems. Every time I pop in the car, there's a worship CD playing. You know, every time I pop into my office, we have, you know, worship music looping. Um, so in your businesses, in your homes, um, in any place that you have authority to put music into, I, I would just encourage you to do it. Um, because it creates that atmosphere. And the atmosphere is potent for, it, it's really full and rich for supernatural encounter. Like, that's the whole point. It's not just so you feel good and it's like, ooh, I can feel his presence. Like, that feels really good. Like, I feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's like, oh, there's actually the power right here in this room to change someone's life and to change a situation. Um, and for me, I see it unlocking creativity. So for all of those of you who are creative and who have that kind of, which all of us are creative. So if you don't think you're creative, congratulations, you just got upgraded to creative. Um, because God's very first identity in the Bible was creator. Um, that's what he did in the beginning. So that means we are all created in his image. So you guys get to create. Um, so it also unlocks creativity. So I challenge you guys to just find how you create, how you build with the Lord. Um, and, and what that is in that expression of worship. Amen. That was really good. And um, when I was in worship this morning, um, Brian Moore came up to me and said he had this picture of this, this wave coming off the platform. And I was, we were, you guys were talking, I was like, what is that? 
what is that wave? And I think it's a wave of worship, a wave of, of a presence-centered life. And if, if you've read that book, Practicing the Presence, um, from Brother Lawrence, and he talks about the, the goal of practicing God's presence, being aware of God's presence um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think worship is a key part of that because it's continually renewing our mind and it's turning our focus off of ourselves, not on the devil, not on sin, but on the Lord. And when we do that, it, it, we become presence-centered. We become a presence-centered person. We become a spirit-led person. We become a presence-centered family and we become a presence-centered body. And then eventually we're gonna become a presence-centered city that is really focused on the Lord. So I am... Um, I just pray for you guys. Lord, I just release this, this wave of worship. I thank you for the, what you're doing and um, a heart to worship you, Lord, 24-7, that we would be like those priests and, and that are called to worship you 24-7, to minister to you, that everything that we do, every, every thought we think, every breath we breathe, every act of service would, would be worship to you. Lord, keep our minds steadfast and focused on you, God, that we would practice your presence, Lord, for as long as possible every day this week. Lord, transform our lives, Lord, that we would be known as a people, a presence-centered family who minister to you and who are worshipers. I thank you, God, for that calling on each of our lives to conduct and to lead worship. And so, God, we surrender our lives to you as worship conductors, that everything we do would conduct and lead people into your presence, that it would bring heaven to earth worship into our homes and into this city, God, and to our nation.